Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly, with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot Um. and finds the net! Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. What a weekend it was in the Women's Super League. We were treated to an incredible battle on Friday night as Chelsea and Arsenal shared the spoils live on TalkSport. Charles, the substitute, will get to it. Can she pull it back from the dead ball? Handball. That's handball. Is that handball? That is handball. Welsh has a look at it. No penalty given by the referee. <laughs> Caroline Weir does it again in the Manchester derby. Left footed effort. What's the oh. goal from Caroline Weir? She knows a thing or two about scoring screamers in this fixture. And she's done it again. And we hear from one of the biggest names in the game as Chelsea's Penilla Harder speaks exclusively to Talk Sports Bradley Hayden. Now I feel like I'm I'm getting closer to exactly the player I am, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that. We'll also be discussing the upcoming Arnold Clark Cup and previewing the rest of the action in the international break. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello, you lovely lot. Happy Monday to you. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Delighted to say, have some of this. We've got the wonderful Kate Longhurst, West Ham midfielder in the studio with us. How are you doing, Kate? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Uh, we kind of have to touch on yesterday very briefly. We'll go in, in depth with the game, but not the best for you yesterday. No, I mean, if any day that you're going to invite me in, um, I think this is probably the worst one. Do you know so, what? We normally you. have a really good record on Women's Football Weekly, in fairness, for like the day after. Shalina Zadorsky was in the other day. She scored the day before she comes in. I thought we'd be like, you know, teeing you up yesterday. I know. Well, I mean, it could have been different, but after about two minutes, I could have told you um, that we weren't going to be doing too well. So, yeah, not could, a great day. Could have <laughs> saved yourself 88 minutes worth of pain. I know, in that I know, yeah. <laughs> Right, we did have live commentary on TalkSport of arguably the biggest two games of the weekend. Here's how they sounded. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Southwest London, where the Women's Super League's fiercest rivalry reaches fever pitch tonight. Flicks it in high towards Harder. She can't get there. Carwill, the shot is blocked. Terrific block from Steph Catley. A goal-saving challenge. Ball for Anderson, who strikes it left-footed, just wide of goal from fully 30 yards out. It would have been a stunner and a rare goal for the left-back, Jonna Anderson. Into the penalty area, pulls it back for Kerr, and Kirby's far post. Kirby sees 
counter effort blocked. Arsenal looking dangerous, plays in forward. First time shot was that handball by Carter. Loud appeals from the Arsenal players and plenty of the fans as well. Referee says no penalty. Harder now for Chelsea. Lift the centre circle. She's got need. Charles racing away down the left hand side. Charles, the substitute, will get to it. Can she pull it back from the dead ball line? Handball. She takes the flesh. Handball. Is that handball? That is handball. Welsh has a look at it. No penalty given by the referee. That's handball. And I think Leah knows as well. As a player, you know, I mean, I think she's got away with one there, definitely. I think that's a definite handball. It has finished on Talk Sports with Arsenal staying top, but Chelsea two points behind and still with that game in hand. Chelsea nil, Arsenal nil. Of course, we have some chances uh, in the end where, where we maybe could have scored. Uh, and I like that. That's the ambition that we should have. Uh, we're not coming here to to draw and be happy uh, with a draw we came here to win today I loved every minute of it and I said to Leanne Hall their goalkeeper coach she came over to me at the end of the game for two people who have been in women's football a long time both of us have we both said how amazing is this for the women's game this is a proper game tonight to crack up Manchester a City United today divided on Derby Day you're either blue or you're red park inside the penalty area angle is tight can she get the cross in she goes for goal and Hempers missed it from a yard out what a chance for Manchester City opportunity here for Toon left hand edge of the penalty area twisting turning crossing up towards Brune it came off Alex Greenwood inside the penalty area Lucy Bronx is in behind crosses for White and White's looping header is over the top and how many more chances are Manchester City going to pass up here on Derby Day. We're for Manchester City, up to the edge of the penalty area, left-footed effort! What's a goal from Caroline Weir! It could be enough to win the Manchester Derby for Manchester City. She knows a thing or two about scoring screamers in this fixture and she's done it again. Caroline Weir off the bench, the super sub, City 1, United 0. That 1v1 battle, we lost some more than I wanted to lose today. And I think when you're playing derbies, when you're playing those, you've got to grit, you've got to grind. And there were many positives from that. But in the key ones, we lost a few, and I'm, I'm going to work on that to make sure that we don't in the future. Did we or did we not? I mean, at the end of the day, it took a moment of brilliance from Caroline, um, but we'll, we'll take that because I think the players really deserve that, and that's what probably makes me more proud than anything, that they got their reward for all of the hard work and all of the effort and all of the quality that they showed today. What a weekend. I feel like going out after that tune, or at least on holiday. Perhaps, Kate, should we just not bother doing the rest of the podcast? Uh, get a maybe? pina colada. Or we're, we're off, <laughs> aren't we? Brilliant. Uh, listen, we're going to start on Friday night. We will deal with the Manchester derby very shortly, but Chelsea nil, Arsenal nil, possibly one of the most entertaining goalless draws uh, we've seen in a very long time. Few contentious issues within it, though, Kate. Let's deal with the penalty in the 18th minute that wasn't. Jess Carter bringing down Caitlin Ford. What did you make of that? Yeah, I definitely thought there was contact there to start with. I think it should have gone down straight away. I think the penalty might have been given. Um, but I think because she tried to stay on her feet and then went down, I think it made it hard for the referee to kind of see any natural um, fall, if you like. Mm. So 
for me, I at the time I actually called it as a, a penalty, and yeah. when I watched it back, I was like, okay, I'm not sure. I think if she'd have gone down straight away, it would have been given. I think it always depends on the referee's viewpoint as well as to whether it looks like the momentum took her down or not, or whether she she spots the clip. Yeah, Re- really difficult one. We'll talk a little bit more about Re- Rebecca Welsh's um, refereeing because, particularly at the end of the match, huge decision. But let's go chronologically, shall we, yeah. and be and be sensible here, uh, Viviana. Miedemar hitting the post in the 21st minute. Um, there were so many chances for both sides. You'd probably say Arsenal had the better of the early chances in the first half. Yeah, I think the first half I was really impressed with Arsenal. I think lately they've been struggling a little bit in terms of what they're creating and, and how they're defending. I think they'd be a bit disappointed in how they're playing because they started the season so well. But that was kind of getting back to how they started the season. And I really thought they gave Chelsea a lot of problems. Uh, Meadamar dropping in deep is always going to cause problems. I thought Beth Mead was always a constant threat. And I thought Caitlin Ford, that's one of the best I've seen her play in terms of just getting on the ball, looking dangerous and trying to make things happen. Um, Yeah, I thought they were unlucky not to be going in the break at 1-0. But second half, I think Chelsea started to play a little bit more. And that's kind of been a pattern of how they've played since Christmas in terms of second half being really strong. And and then at the end, they're unlucky not to to win the game as well. So I think a fair fair result was a draw. Yeah, it certainly felt like a, a fair result. Uh, it was kind of missing goals, but there were so many chances. You were surprised that, that none of them went in. Chelsea would have been kicking themselves because they had big chances themselves. An air shot from Sam Kerr having got herself in a fantastic position. Kirby then with the follow-up maybe took too many touches going into that. Uh, G uh, forced a good save from Zinsberger as well. And then towards the end, of the the second half it was just all a bit bonkers Chelsea really defending for their lives um, at at, at times goal mouse scramble burger furious with her defenders and then Millie Bright having to uh, head a corner off the line in the 87th minute but let's deal with this handball from Leah Williamson it was Neve Charles with the uh, cross into the bottom into the box which Leah jumped up and it was great to see Leah Williamson back, by the way, after her injury. A real boost for Arsenal uh, going into the the tail end of the season. However, it was both arms up, jumping for it. I didn't think there was any question mark whatsoever that that was a handball and therefore a penalty. What did you think? Yeah, she knew herself. You could tell by the way she reacted. She looked straight at the referee. She stopped altogether. It's just one of those things where you think, what have I done? You know, you she's not gone in there intentionally to handball and no. stop the cross. Instinct. Exactly. But the way she's jumped, you can't jump with your arms out. And I think she knows as soon as she's put her arm out and it's hit it, she's expecting the referee to blow. For whatever reason, the referee didn't. I actually think watching the replay back, the ref couldn't have been in a worse position. Mm. And that's not because of her positioning as, as a referee, literally just the way that Leah's body was shaped. Her arm was like not in, in it wasn't visible in her body line. That's when you need the assistant referee exactly. to be helping you though. Exactly. And I think a lot of people on that pitch knew that it was a handball. Um, but between the officials, they, they obviously didn't see it. Well, Chelsea head coach, you'll be unsurprised to know, Emma Hayes also thought it was a handball and she said Rebecca Welch made a mistake. She's a top official. She's the best in our league. But when you're in eight minutes of time added on, two minutes into it, you've got to be brave and make those decisions. And I think she didn't make the brave decision through fear of whatever that might be. I think when it's that clear, you do worry about it. But 
it's a point gained and I'm not going to focus the energy solely on that decision. Interesting from Emma Hayes there because she hasn't looked at it the way you've looked at it, Kate, that her positioning wasn't great, could have had a bit of support from from the assistant referee as well. I don't think Rebecca Welch is the type of referee that would crumble under pressure in a big game like that. No, she makes big decisions at times and I think she's put herself in the spotlight and that's why she's doing so well and being recognised within football. Um, you know, we can't always see... I mean, when I play, I'm I'm constantly, you know, moaning that the refs, and they haven't seen stuff. And when you watch it back, sometimes you realise you were wrong and mm. sometimes you realise the ref was wrong and we're all human, we all make mistakes. Um, it's not for me to decide whether the referees kind of made a big decision and, and bottled it or whether she just hasn't seen it. But from the replays, I don't think she had a good view. Um, but I, I don't think she's the type of referee to not make the decision if it's there. Uh, but of course, it's a, it's a big call. But if you're not sure, you can't really give it. Um, but obviously, to all of us watching, we could see it. But we're fortunate enough to get a lot of replays and things like that. And I think if she took one look at Leah, she would have realised that yeah. it was, was a penalty. <laughs> but um, I think Arsenal would be very lucky um, to... to to kind of get away with the point there. Yeah, definitely. The I mean, they they played well up till then, so it would have been really harsh on them if they'd have gone down at that late stage for that. Yeah. Um, but Jonas Eideveld, the Arsenal manager, said after the game, 30,000, not 3,000, should have been watching the FAWSL title matchup. And it's difficult to to disagree with that. Still 3,300 at Kings Meadow on Friday night. But these are the kind of games we want to see bigger bigger uh, audiences at yeah you know we want to see more fans at games we want bigger stadiums but I think you know we have to to realize where football's at but the big games are now starting to get a lot of attention um hopefully a lot of people tuned in and watched the game because it was like you said an entertaining nil nil when you look at the the game beforehand you look at all the attacking players on the pitch and you think there's no way this is going to end goalless yeah and and it shouldn't have done um, but even when, you, you know, Kim Little was unbelievable in the middle of the pitch. You know, she's she's a class above the rest in terms of midfielders in this league. She's so intelligent. Um, she looks after the ball so well. And I thought she was really creative for Arsenal and was a, a big reason why they did well in that game. Um, but yeah, we want more fans. We want people to come and see the games. And hopefully the more it becomes visual, the better quality that we have. Hopefully more people will keep coming and, and we can slowly build um, to get bigger audiences to watch the games. It's coming. It's definitely coming. Uh, let's hear from you on the side of El, shall we? He spoke to Talk Sport after the match, was pleased with the performance and thinks that it will give his players some confidence going forward. I'm focusing on the performance, first and foremost. I think we play a really, really strong game today. Uh, it's an excellent game between two really strong teams, but we're really... Um, impose ourselves in a, in a good way in, in the game, representing the way that we want to play. Um, and, and that makes me extremely proud. Um, I think we have chances enough to, to win the game. I also think that they have chances. And uh, it's. I think it was a very entertaining game to, uh, to watch, but it leaves us, I think, with good self-confidence. Good self-confidence then, and they're going to need that because, of course, Chelsea women have that game in hand, that all-important game in hand. Although if you look at the run-in, Arsenal arguably have the better run-in because Chelsea have to play Manchester United as their final game of the season, Kate. But did we learn anything in terms of the title race from this match? I think we've learnt that it's not going to be over until 
maybe the last game of the season. I think we've got some really good teams in the league now, even if you look a little bit lower. There's teams that can pick points off of Chelsea and Arsenal. And, yeah, it's whatever team's the most consistent. Obviously, Chelsea have got the game in hand, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get the three points in, in them games. Um, yeah, I'd like to see it go down to the last game of the season because that's the entertainment that we want. And, unfortunately, we haven't had that the last couple of seasons, so it'd be really good to, to see that. Yeah, it really would do. And, as I say, Chelsea have uh, Manchester United, who were in action against Manchester City in the big Manchester derby at the City Academy. Record attendance there as well, 5,317. Uh, fifth attempt for United to try and uh, claim the scalp of their uh, Manchester rivals, but, unfortunately, they did did not manage it under Mark Skinner. City uh, winning 1-0 and it was substitute Caroline Weir grabbing the winner. It was so weird. 81st minute and literally a copycat of the goal she scored against United last year. Beautiful chip, left-footed, Nothing Mary Earps could have done about that. However, we know that Caroline Weir can do that and Mary Earps perhaps should have been aware of that too. Yeah, I think all of the Man United players should have been aware of that. She's incredible probably one of the best long distance strikers of the ball but also that wasn't even a strike you know it was just she just caressed it into the net you know she just just chipped it and there's nothing really Mary Oaks could do about it um but we've seen Caroline Weir do that a lot of times where the Man United players can get closer to her to stop her getting shots off and that's something I'm sure they will be looking at and, and making sure they don't make the same mistake again um, but yeah, Caroline Weir, Derby Slayer, you know, she's <laughs> she's done it again and, and I mean, what a goal to win it. Oh, audacious, absolutely audacious. And um, Martha Thomas came on, made a real difference for United, but they just didn't have the same kind of quality, did they? City had hit the post as well through Park um, and dominated from start to finish, really. 69% possession, uh, over double the amount of passes, 18 shots, three on target. And United were a bit disappointing, really, overall. And their manager, Mark Skinner, told TalkSport afterwards he was himself disappointed with the way his side approached the derby. I'm disappointed only solely in our that 1v1 battle. We lost some more than I wanted to lose today. And I think when you're playing derbies, when you're playing those, you've got to grit, you've got to grind. And there were many positives from that. But in the key ones, we lost a few, and I'm, I'm going to work on that to make sure that we don't in the future. What happened from an attacking perspective? What, what was your frustration, maybe? Because we, we, your side usually create tons of chances. We, we didn't really see that today. Well, there's an adaptation in, in the team, isn't there? So there's, there's obviously players that are coming in that have not got much experience. So it takes a bit of time to get used to that. So you're just seeing, again, just a bit of a, a tiny fragment of thought processes that's all that's all so something can fix we need time yeah they missed the opportunity united to to go into those champions league uh spots above tottenham women they're two points outside of the top three manchester city closed the gap on fourth placed manchester united though um to two points uh both having played the same amount of games and it's so tight there when you look at it and then you've got Reading kind of sneaking up there as well with that cheeky little game in hand that they've got in sixth place but they took a little bit of a dent which we'll talk about uh, next here on Women's Football Weekly because you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 I'm Faker Rothers West Ham's Kate Longhurst is with me as well coming up we will chat through the rest of the WSL this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. 
West Ham's Kate Longhurst is with me. Don't forget if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, don't forget you can download our podcast. It's available on the TalkSport app. So just go ahead and download it today. All right, let's look back on the rest of the weekend's Women's Super League action with now. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus stream via internet terms apply. So open this season and some really surprising results across the WSL this weekend. Uh, let's start with Brighton 4, Reading 1. Based on form, a massive surprise because Brighton had only taken one point from their last seven league games. Reading, on the other hand, had won their last five. Um, a hat-trick for Kayleigh Green and perhaps a little bit of confidence boosting for, for a Brighton side who've been struggling. Yeah, if you look at the form guide, you would have gone, that's an absolute banker for Reading, the way they've been playing, the way they've been picking up results. Um, but yeah, when I, I watched the game back, um, I think Brighton were unlucky not to hit maybe six or seven. They looked so dangerous from every set piece um, and, and Reading didn't really know how to deal with it. Brighton are the strangest team, I think, in the league because <laughs> they have the quality sometimes to blow teams away and or get a draw against Chelsea. Um, but then they've also had some really bad, tough results. And whether that's because they've got players missing or I don't know, but I feel like you never really know what you're going to get from them. And, and clearly this weekend was one of those moments. Well, this was an interesting stat. Women's football podcaster and a brother of producer Flo as well, Theo Lloyd-Hughes, uh, tweeted this out. Brighton scored more goals yesterday than they did in November, December and January combined. That's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Um, Brighton boss Hope Powell said her side really needed that, whereas Kelly Chambers, Reading boss, was disappointed and just says her team didn't show up. But, you know, a hat-trick for, for Kayleigh Green. Very well done to, to Brighton. Um, still, though, disappointing with their season. They're, they're in eighth, having played uh, more games than anybody else except for, for Leicester, just the 19 points. And bearing in mind, we were talking about them as potential, you know, top half finishers and, you know, knocking on the Champions League places, potentially. That's just not happened for them. Yeah, they started so well. I think it was five wins from six um, and they were cruising at the top of the league and you wonder whether teams can hold on to that when mm. the so-called bigger teams start picking up form. I think quite a few teams started a bit slowly. Um, but I think Brighton on the whole will look at the season and think, OK, we're, we're in a good position. You know, they're not threatening with relegation. Um, but I think when you look at the start they had, I think they will be a bit disappointed in their recent form. But, you know, this result can change things quickly. And and now they'll maybe look to the second half of the season and really push on. And, you know, it's so tight in that league that I think two, three wins, it, it really rockets you up the league. So, you know, they've they've still got a lot to fight for. If they can get a top five place, that would be unbelievable for them this season. Really, really competitive. Reading missed the chance uh, to go level on points with Manchester United and move up to to fifth. Uh, they'll be disappointed with that. But as I said earlier, they've got a game in hand over Manchester City and Manchester United, as well as Tottenham, of course, too. Uh, Everton, though. Oh, my goodness me, Everton. What is going on at your club at the moment? 2-0 uh, defeat at home to Aston Villa which is absolutely fantastic for, for Villa and Carla Ward. It all but secures safety uh, for them. 12 points clear of Birmingham now, which is an incredible achievement, bearing in mind how they struggled last season. But let's let's address Everton first and foremost, because this is their 
fourth successive loss in the WSL. They did have chances. Kenza Darley um, had a couple of chances uh, saved by Hannah Hampton. But they now have uh, Chris Roberts and Claire Ditchburn in interim charge. They got rid of Willie Kirk early in the season. They replaced him with Jean-Luc Vasseur and then got rid of him. Smacks to me, and particularly when you look at what's going on behind the scenes of their men's team at the moment as well, um, it smacks to me as a club who don't have a clear strategy. Yeah, I think when you back a manager at the beginning of the season, like Willie Kirk, who comes with a good pedigree, comes with a good reputation of being a good coach, getting the best out of players, I think he brought in the players that he wanted to bring in. And they didn't really give him the chance and that's the problem you get when you throw a lot of money um, into a club. You expect instant success, and sometimes it doesn't work like that. I think if they look back now, maybe they would have given him a little bit longer to try and um, implement what he wanted in his Everton team and find out who his strongest team was. Because when you bring in a lot of players, it's not easy to get it right straight away, and you need to work out who's the best players for the team and not just put in the best 11 players on the pitch. Um, there's no doubt that they've got talent in that team. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You look at the players that they've brought in, they've really gone big, um, but maybe they haven't addressed the areas that they needed to. Um, and also it's it's hard for consistency among players when you're changing what's going on at the top a lot as well. Obviously, mm. I don't know the problems that are going on there, um, but something doesn't seem right because of the the quality of the squad that they've got. Um, but also I think players need to take ownership of that, that when when you've got that many good players and then you keep changing your manager, something needs to change. And I'm sure they'll turn it around, but I'm sure they don't want to be on the end of any other bad results because it only takes Birmingham to win one or two and then you've really got Everton in, in trouble. So I'm sure they'll be fine because they've got enough quality to get out of it. Um, I also think that they could win two or three games in a row and, mm. and we could forget all about it, but... Um, yeah, something clearly needs a bit of direction there. Yeah, it really does. I, I think, as you say, that, that that they'll be okay just because Birmingham have had such a, a poor season and Everton seven points clear of them um, and with two games in hand as well. So you would think, you know, that they can't afford to be complacent, as you say, because a couple of wins changes all of that straight away. For Aston Villa, though, and the job that Carla Ward has done there, uh, Jill Scott, by the way, with her assist for um, Emily Gilnick, an overhead kick. I think she was going for the for the far corner herself, but easy tap in for for Emily in the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't know many twenty year olds that get their leg that high. I know. Well, I know she's got legs that gone forever. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible from her to to keep well to keep it in play and uh, get it to the back post. Whether she's going for goal or not, I don't know. But you take that assist, wouldn't you? And she you she don't was going like, for goal, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, no, it was a brilliant assist. I think with Carl Award, um, you know what you're going to get from her teams. They work incredibly hard. They have a lot of structure and organisation and actually play some really good football. And um, yeah, that's a big win for them. I think it's an important win for them because like you said, it takes them away from the bottom. I don't think they were ever really in trouble, but it's not nice floating around there and, and maybe they can take a bit of pressure off and, and go into games thinking, right, well, we're we're safe. Um, we can attack every game and try and win every game and 
Um, I think Carla Ward's doing a good job there. Yeah, she really is. Um, Alicia Lehman with the assist, your former teammate, of course, uh, to provide Ramona Petzelberger her first WSL goal of the season uh, for Villa's second. And exactly as you said, Carla Ward just wants her Villa side now to step up their second season you know establish themselves and go and try and do something special next season uh, a couple more games to go through and I'm sorry one of them is uh, is yours <laughs> Birmingham nil uh, Tottenham 2 will deal with first and foremost Ashley Neville uh, pouncing on a loose ball to put Spurs ahead she hit the bar as well and then assisted Rhea Percival five minutes from time to, to seal the win and Rianne Skinner says they want to finish higher than, than last season. They're certainly doing that at the moment. Uh, they're having a fantastic season in third place, 27 points. Can they get that last Champions League spot? Have they got enough? I think so. It's whether they can compete with the bigger teams and get results against them. They're certainly solid um, as a structural team. Uh, I, I question whether they'll score enough goals to maybe keep themselves in the top three. Um, but they've certainly done fantastic this season. They've got a lot of good players, work really hard for each other. And I don't really see a problem with them trying to finish top three. I, like I said, maybe just does the that goal. Hurt? Oh, of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I said about the goal situation, maybe that's the only drawback, but they don't concede a lot of goals. Um, yeah, it's whether they can, can stay competing with the top three teams, or top four teams, I should say. Um and whether they can hold on, but you know they're having a fantastic season. I, d- I don't see why they they won't still be up there at the end of the season. Yeah, Birmingham well adrift now though. Uh, just the four points they've played fifteen, uh, the same amount as Leicester and Brighton. Uh, big big worries uh, for them. We have to talk about it. Leicester City three, West Ham nil. I mean Leicester lost the reverse fixture four nil, um, but it's four wins from their last seven games now leaving them eight points clear of Birmingham uh, Natasha Flint Ashley Plumtree and Freya Gregory uh, on the score sheet they're doing uh, really well under Lydia Bedford do you think they're safe now? I think so the way they played against us they were by far the better team they worked harder than us they outfought us which is something that um, I don't think many teams have done to us this season because I I like to pride ourselves on trying to outfight and outwork every other team. Um, something was missing from us yesterday, and it wasn't good enough. But um, was it know, just an off day? Do you, do you just get those sometimes? Yeah, was it? I think so. I mean, it didn't help. We we conceded within the first two minutes. The pitch wasn't great. Our keeper fell over, and then while she was coming out, and then got up to to clear it, and it it ricochets off their player and goes in. And you know, from that moment, it's going to be a struggle. But we still had a lot of time left to to try and correct that um but to concede the second goal after i think it was like 8 or 9 minutes then it's an uphill task and and they just battled better than us they picked up second balls better than us i think they've got a lot more structure under lydia and brent um they're certainly looking a lot more threatening going forward as well i think they've actually brought in some good players on loan as well um, they looked a lot more dangerous on the attack. And, and that was without Jess Sig- Sigsworth, who's done really well for them as well this season. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine. And like Aston Villa, I think now maybe a little bit of pressure is off. They can maybe compete and try and win more games and, and see if they can finish maybe 
you know, towards mid-table, I think that would be a really good first season for them. Yeah, it really would be. Uh, right, that was a look back at the weekend Super League action with Now. Don't forget with the Now Sports membership, you can stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League, all without a contract. Just search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11 99 Search Now Sports 18+. plus. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Coming up on Women's Football Weekly, we're going to preview the Arnold Clark Cup and the rest of the big games coming up in this international window. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me, Faker Ruthers and West Ham's Kate Longhurst. Now then... The inaugural edition of the Arnold Clark Cup gets underway on Thursday. Germany take on Spain at the Riverside Stadium, followed by England versus Canada. Tantalising matches and a fascinating tournament in store. Really looking forward to it, Kate. How do you view this tournament on, on home soil? I think in terms of the four teams that you've got, I think they're all really evenly matched. So I think every single game is going to be a tough game. Um, and hopefully some really entertaining football as well and hopefully some good crowds because I think for England, this will kind of show where they're at now, um, where where we're strong, where we're weak, what we need to work on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching the games. I'm looking forward to seeing how England are faring against these teams, bearing in mind we've got the, the women's Euros coming up. Obviously, you then throw Canada, the Olympic 
um, gold medalists into the mix as well under Bev Priestman, of course, who used to be part of the England setup. I'm fascinated to see how the Lionesses are, are going to be able to, to compete in these circumstances. Uh, the squad was announced the other day. No real surprises. Steph Horton missing out through injury. Uh, Ellie Roebuck and Lucy Bronze return, though, which is really important. I'll just run through uh, the squad just in case you haven't seen it yet. So goalkeepers, Mary Earps, Hannah Hampton and Ellie Roebuck. Your defenders, Millie Bright, Lucy Bronze, Jess Carter, Neve Charles, Rachel Daly, Alex Greenwood, Demi Stokes, Leah Williamson and Lotta Wuben-Moy. Frank Kirby, Jordan Nobbs, Jill Scott, Georgia Stanway, Kira Walsh and Katie Zellum in midfield and your forwards, Lauren Hemp, Beth Mead, Nikita Paris, Alessia Russo, Ella Toon and Ellen White. Really strong. No real surprises, as I say. I think the interesting question, which has been on everybody's lips for a little while, and bearing in mind Leah Williamson is now back uh, from injury, who's going to be captain in Steph Horton's absence? Well, you'd have to say the favourite is Leah Williamson. She obviously got trusted with the captaincy in the last couple of games. I think she is a natural leader, um, the way she plays, the way she leads on a team. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I can't really see it being anyone else, but maybe Lucy Bronze now that she's back in as well, um, you know, because she's got a wealth of experience as well and is obviously a world-class player. Um, but I, I would imagine she'll stick with uh, Leah Williamson. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating as well who starts in goal because before Ellie Roebuck was injured, she was nailed on for that number one spot. Mary Earps brought back from from the brink since Serena Wiegmann took over uh, the, the Lionesses. Who gets the nod for you? I think Ellie Roebuck. I, I, I mean, it's it's tough. I think Mary Earps has had a good season. Um, I don't think Hannah Hampton's quite ready yet. I think she's there f- to gain experience and kind of learn off the other players and and train with them. So it's it's going to be between the two, I would imagine. Um, but for me, I think Ellie Roebuck, in terms of her calmness on the ball, her distribution, her shot stopping, um, I would say she's she's just got the edge. Mm. I'm wondering what producer Flo thinks of this because you're going to be travelling around the country. You're going to head to Molyneux and Carrow Road. We've got Talk Sports Manchester correspondent Mickey Gray heading up to, for the opener uh, against Canada on Thursday night. But you're going to be uh, making your way around the country, Flo. Um, what are you most looking forward to? I'm really intrigued just to see how good England are. I think Kate said it as well because those those World Cup qualifiers have been really, really easy and yeah. we haven't seen them tested at all. And, and and that's often the case for England in, in major tournament qualification. But I think there'll be a lot of people who are going to expect England to get to at least the semi-finals of the Euros, try and get to the final and potentially win it. Obviously, a home one adds that extra pressure. And I do think... We need to just get a sense of how good they are because at the moment it's really hard to know. And it's hard to know how other major nations are doing because most of them have got quite easy qualification groups. So apart from Canada, who obviously GB played at, at the Olympic Games, you don't really know where Germany and Spain stand at the moment. Loads of people talk really highly of Spain because a lot of them play for Barcelona and Barcelona are probably the best team in the world right now. But apart from that, it all kind of seems a bit like chat and hype at the moment. And I'd actually quite like to see well, where do England stand because we know that they've got a lot of goals in these qualifiers but they haven't really had to defend at all so I think it'll be really interesting to see how they cope against some strong attacking players quite important to get their experience back 
in defence as well, Kate. Yeah, Steph Steph will be a massive um, miss for England, I think, at the moment. Um, but it gives a chance for other players to step up and, you know, obviously Millie Bright and, and Leah Williamson are doing well, but also Alex Greenwood at centre-back is arguably the most informed central defender in the league at the moment. So um, I don't know how they'll set up or who they'll pick, um, but it's nice to have a lot of options. I think we've got a really good blend of experience and youth now. There's some really exciting players coming through, especially in the attacking areas. Um but yeah, these these three games, I think she can rotate and and try and trust in a lot of the players that are in the squad because you don't know who you're going to need for the Euros, and it will be a good chance for her to have a look at who she can use. Yeah, fascinated uh, to see how Serena Wiegmann's going to line up, and of course they've got the arguably the most difficult fixture up against the Olympic gold medalist Canada on Thursday night. Updates across the Talksport network. Uh, elsewhere, heading into the Euros, quite important to, to see how. How other um, countries are getting on. Belgium, Scotland, Russia, Poland, Republic of Ireland, Wales, Hungary and Slovakia. I know not all of those are, are in the Euros, obviously. They're all taking part, though, in the in the Pinatar Cup in Spain. Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Italy and Portugal uh, taking part in the Algarve Cup um, in Portugal. Oh, gosh, why aren't we covering that? It'd be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> A little trip out to the Algarve. Uh, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers with Kate Longhurst. Uh, next, we're going to hear exclusively from Chelsea's Penilla Harder. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Rothers, and West Ham's Kate Longhurst. Right, let's round up the championship results from the weekend, shall we? An uncharacteristic defeat for Durham, 3-0 to Bristol City. Sheffield United, 4-0 winners over Blackburn. Coventry and Charlton shared the spoils, uh, a goal each for them. London City went to Crystal Palace and beat them 5-1. Liverpool uh, continue their domination in the league, 3-0 winners over Sunderland and Watford were beaten 2-0 uh, by Lewis. This is what it does to the table. Liverpool still 10 points clear over London City, who are now in second place after that victory. Uh, Durham will d- be disappointed, though, because they uh, drop a little bit out of the um, opportunity to put pressure. Although, to be honest, looking at Liverpool, I don't think anybody's going to be putting that amount of pressure on them. It looks as if they're going straight back into the in, into the FAWSL after a couple of seasons out, Kate. Yeah, they're, they're cruising, aren't they? I think the, their only loss was maybe the first game of the season against London City Lionesses, so... Matt Beard's doing a fantastic job there, but I also think if you look at their squad, they should really be up there um, at the top of the league, and and they are. Um, They've still got to play Charlton twice, I believe, so... Um, that's Never in only... doubt for Matt Beard, was it, going up there? No. Take I... it by the scruff of the neck? Yeah, I think it makes sense. He loved his time up there. He was very successful up there, and I think they've needed someone to kind of just drag them back to where they deserve to be because they are a huge club. Um, I think they they really want to invest in the women's team now, and um, I'm I'm pretty sure now that it looks nailed on that they're going to be promoted. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree with you. Uh, Last week, we had a very interesting conversation about a potential expansion of the WSL and the championships. Probably not going to happen this year, obviously, because we're we're way into uh, planning for the new season for sure. But perhaps in a a couple of years time, as as teams get more and more competitive, become more professional, uh, that's definitely going to happen. Um, Now then. 
This is an interview we've been trying to get here on TalkSport for, for quite a long time now and, and big props to TalkSport's Bradley Hayden because he's managed to sit down exclusively with Chelsea's Penilla Harder, talking to her about a range of topics, including Chelsea's season so far, working with Emma Hayes and also what it's like being a role model in women's football. Penil, thanks so much for joining me. Um, first things first, how much are you enjoying life at Chelsea now that you're into your second season with the club? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy playing with this team and practicing with this team. And yeah, also just like life in London. Uh, it's nice now and it's no lockdown and you can finally actually enjoy the lifestyle here. What is it that you, you love about London the most? I think it's, there are so many different areas you can explore um, and all the good restaurants. Uh, I love some good food. Uh, so, yeah, these things. When, when you arrived at Chelsea, a lot of people spoke about the, the price tag that, that came with that. How, how was that handling that, that, that sort of, you know, a lot of people saying that you were coming with, with the club spending so much money on you? Yeah, of course, when you have that price tag, it's, it is taking some pr- pressure with it uh, because when you have a high price, people expect some high quality from the beginning. Um, so, of course, that, uh, yeah, some expectations comes with it and that's something you as a player have to handle. Uh, of course, it's been uh, also difficult, not only easy to just do it because when you come into a new environment, you also need to adapt and your best best uh, play it might not come from the beginning it will take a little bit of time um but uh, i think yeah it, I, i've learned a lot about it and i also think it's um i've handled it in a good way uh, i feel like i i did adapt quite fast and could give a lot to the team already the first season i was here um now i feel like i'm i'm getting closer to exactly the player i am and uh, yeah i'm enjoying that and how much of the likes of Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr helped you with your adaption as well? Because it seems like you've got a fantastic understanding with, with them on the pitch. And it seems like it's been the case ever since you joined. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're two amazing players uh, and I enjoy playing with them. Um, there was also a lot of other players in Chelsea uh, that makes it easy, who, who makes a lot of work uh, we might not see in TV always, but uh, the work behind all the goals and assists, uh, those players are also really important. Uh, we don't mention them that much in media, <laughs> but I want to mention them because I think that's super important. And for me, that's you can't have a good team if you don't have those players who's working a lot uh, in the yeah behind the scenes. That's really interesting there. It's really helpful to see just how much the team spirit you, you've got there and, you know, the, the players off the pitch that maybe aren't in the team who are still driving standards. Does it feel like you're, you're like a real sort of family at Chelsea? Yeah, I think we have a really good environment. I think we're helping each other. Uh, we have a big squad. Sometimes it can be difficult because obviously everyone wants to play. Uh, sometimes you're not playing, but I think everyone is giving their 100% in training and that raised the bars all the time. Um, and yeah, we want the best from each other. Working with Emma Hayes must be hugely beneficial. I mean, she won an OBE earlier this year for her services to, to women's football. Just how much has she, she helped you so far? Yeah, of course, uh, she has helped me. Uh, her and the other staff members, the team, my teammates, everyone uh, helps you to adapt into the team. Um, Emma is, of course, a great coach. Uh, 
and uh, yeah, it's it is inspiring to to play under her. Where does she rank in terms of managers that you've worked with in your career so far? And uh, and just what 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 have you learned from from working with her? <clears throat> oh, I have I've had a lot of good coaches so far, um, so that's difficult to say. But yeah, of course, Emma, she's really good. What can you say? Like she's a good motivator. She she says often all the right things <laughs> to get you motivated to the game. Um, she gives you space if you need it. And yeah, I think that's that might be some of her best qualities that she 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 wants the best out of the players. And it seems like from this season that, that you love playing against Man United. I mean, your two go, your, your goals against them this season. I mean, wow is the, is the word that comes to my mind when I was watching them. Yeah, I don't know why it's the both goals are against United. I'm actually a little bit of United fan, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, not on the woman's side at least. <laughs> um, I mean. Yeah. Yourself and your partner, Magda Eriksson, have used your play- platforms to great effect to, to shine the light on LGBTQ rights and the community as a whole. How vital is that for you to, to raise awareness of those issues? I mean, it's important for me to to be able to maybe make a small change in society if I can, like using my platform to speak out about what I find important, what topics I find important to, to speak up about and... Um, yeah, I I want to make that little change that I might can do uh, by using my platform. How happy are you as well that you, that you may be seen as a role model for members of the LGBTQ community and that, you know, there is possibilities for them to, to play professional football if, if that is their dream? Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, that's I, I try to be open with my relationship with Magda and that exactly like you say that young girls or boys can especially girls like yeah I can see that if you want to become a professional football player uh, and you're gay it's possible Uh, you don't have to hide your sexuality and you don't have to stop playing Um, that's also what I hope that will develop in the men's football now we have one male football player who came out um, just and I think that was a big first step to maybe hopefully more players will be comfortable to come out and that will make yeah a huge impact on a lot of young boys that maybe hide their sexuality. I think a lot of boys maybe stop playing football because they don't see themselves uh, yeah, playing if they're gay. If, if anyone ever approached you or has anyone ever approached you and sort of sought your advice as to how they can, can speak to their family, you know, about their sexuality, because it can be quite difficult for people to, to open up. Has anyone ever done that to you? And if so, what has that been like? Or, or would you like, would you be happy for people to come to you and, and get your advice on how to approach these things? Yeah, I mean, Magda and I, we opened our DMs on Twitter last Valentine's Day, it was last year, and a lot of a lot of uh, people wrote us, boys and girls, actually, and asked for advice and just also writing their experiences and how tough it is sometimes to, yeah, come out. They also just for the families. Uh, if you are in a religious family, sometimes it can be difficult. And yeah, so that was, uh, it was quite tough to, to get all these messages because there is a lot of people who are trapped a little bit um, in their sexuality. 
you've also spoken quite openly as well about the need for, for great facility for, for young women at a, a, a grassroots level and the importance that they get more access to, to opportunities and more playing opportunities um, in terms of and also getting opportunities to work in football academies as well. How, how vital is that going forward for the long term future of uh, women's football? I think it's so important, you know, like if you want to be the best uh, version of yourself, if you want to get the full potential out of yourself, you also need the best education. Uh, it's difficult if you don't get the right, the best coaches, the best like facilities, pitches that you have the right issues and all these things, uh, everything around you to become the best version of yourself. If you don't have this, it demands a lot of the individual player to to get it um so it, i think it's very important and yeah the most important thing is to to have really good coaches in an early age uh, because yeah if you compare it to like an example like a school for example boys go in the best school and the girls they have like the worst teachers or not the best at least how they end up with the knowledge they've got it will be different of course the boys will be better so that's, I think that's super important that we start with that, that girls should have the same opportunities, the same quality of coaches in an early age. Do you think we're, we're far away from, from seeing more sort of facilities like that and more opportunities for, for young women? I think absolutely can be much better. Uh, that's for sure. Um, first of all, we are, we are fighting to have the best facilities for senior teams. That's not even like perfect yet. But the girls who want to go to these senior teams, they, they have even worse facilities. And yeah, it's difficult to what you have to prioritize because obviously, obviously we want both uh, to be good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the topic I've been speaking about, I think clubs are focusing more about it, on it. Um, so that's a good start. Uh, and then the next thing is that also will be actions from it. I mean, what other things would you like to see implemented to help drive standards in, in, in the women's game in, in maybe the next five or ten years? Do you mean like on senior level? Or... Yeah, on senior level, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think every all clubs should almost have the same facilities as we have here in Chelsea. Like really good facilities where we can just focus on football uh, we have the training times when we when the club won when the coach wants to train and um, we have an amazing pitch to play our games on uh, I don't think all the pitches in in this league even is good enough uh, to be able to play the best uh, football um, so that's something that that should also be better and all the clubs and in all the best leagues in in Europe and the world should should have top top facilities and I've got some quick questions as well about your, your childhood and maybe some of your Chelsea teammates as well so growing up who was the first footballer either in the men's or the women's game that, that you idolized yeah I think it was uh, Ryan Geeks actually <laughs> my dad is United fan and I also grown up being it so yeah Ryan Geeks he was uh, she was one of my idols but then also on the woman's side uh, Marta da Silva fast became an uh, idol for me uh, she was she was maybe also one of the only female footballers I could find on YouTube <laughs> to uh, to look at. And uh, yeah, I think she, she is amazing and she has been amazing an amazing player her whole, her whole career. What, what was it you love about, about those two players? 
I think it's their skills, their, their way of playing. Uh, something I find really cool about Marta is that I think she won the best player in the world like five years in a row. That you can maintain that level for so many seasons is that shows that she's really a, a quality player. It's not like a one off. It's like, yeah, five years in a row, she's the best. <laughs> Really interesting insight there from Chelsea and Denmark's Pernilla Harder, Kate. A um, few different things to, to touch on there. And, and, and a role model in women's football is something that, you know, we talk about a lot within men's football. And you can't really underestimate the power of the influence that you have as, as players. Yeah, especially for someone like her. You know, she's seen on a world stage and she's one of the best players in the world. Um, so it's really important for, you know, people to kind of show who they are as well because people are interested in your life um but also just to to kind of be a good person and and show the best side of you and and I think we have that in women's football and and we have that in men's football as well um but maybe women's football it's maybe a little bit more approachable or you Mm. feel like you know people a little bit more um than in men's football and, and I think that's something that you know we try and try and have that at the games as well, where we can interact with the fans and, and maybe be a little bit more personable. Um, so I think it's really good that she's she's using her platform to try and help other people. There's a different accessibility, isn't there, in women's football that perhaps existed in the men's game maybe 20, 30 years ago, but is there right now. Like, as you say, you go to a game on a weekend and there's... Uh, fans lined up along the pitch and the players will stand out there for 20 minutes half an hour signing every single autograph that's that's requested of them yeah because you know you appreciate the support um we've come from having maybe 20 30 people and normally our families coming to watch us um and you know it's it's expanding all the time and especially if children come to the games you want to make it as good as experience as you can and you want them to come back and I think even just having a picture or signing something, you see their faces sometimes. And, you know, to us, it's it's just 10 seconds out of our life. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But for them, that could make their whole day. It means you know? everything. So, yeah. Um, so to have that um, ability to make someone feel like that, I think it's fantastic. And, and we want people to keep coming back and have good experiences. So we love the interaction that we can have with the fans. And unfortunately, with COVID, it's... It's been a little bit hit and miss that we're not allowed to always um, sign stuff or stand with them, but um, hopefully we can we can start that again soon. It will come back for sure. Uh, listen, if you want to hear the rest of that interview uh, with Penilla Harder, uh, we'll put Bradley's full extended interview in the podcast edition of Women's Football Weekly, which you can find via the TalkSport app. So don't forget to go ahead and download that. Uh, that's always there every single week as well if you miss any of the live show. Uh, right, that's it, Kate. What, what are your plans for, for the international break? Well, we've actually been given three days off. Hello. So Yeah, so um, I haven't actually booked anything or planned anything yet. Um, Have but I just put the Algarve just, in your uh, head? I know, yeah, <laughs> I'm really thinking I want a bit of sun. So, um, I don't know, um, just to chill and just have a little bit of downtime and maybe catch up with fa- uh, friends and family and make the most of having three days off, really. Yeah, well, enjoy it. You deserve it, that's for sure. And uh, hopefully you'll come back into the studio very soon for us. I hope so. Take Thank care. You. Thank you very much to Kate Longhurst, Penilla Harder, Bradley Hayden, Producer Flo, and of course, all of you, as ever, for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.